Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. You aren't going to find many people who can break down baseball like Lou Merloni. That's why I always love talking about the great game, the pastime, America's pastime with Lou. But Lou has also jumped to the head of the class in terms of my power rankings and regards to second guessing after these games and and I've disagreed with a lot of what he said and and I enjoy going back and forth with him so what I decided to do as the Red Sox head into their new season and John Farrell continues to be the Red Sox manager is do a preemptive strike and have Lou Merloni go through certain situations that may come up for the Red Sox in this first week tell me what he would do in those situations and then we can compare and contrast exactly how he would handle it, how John Farrell did handle it, and who was right and who was wrong. It is the Lou Maloney, John Farrell, preemptive strike, opening day podcast. Making his second appearance on the Brad Foe Show, Lou Maloney, the first time. Big all, moment. All we talked about, Lou, mm-hmm. was your hair product, your, your bathroom cleanliness. I remember that. I have deodorant. I know this is different for this house. You guys aren't used to that shit. Um, I have a, a high-end shaving cream kind of for my face when I shave. And given the beard, it's not that just around the neck. So there's just some things that normal people have. And I know you don't normally see things like that, like soap and deodorant and toothpaste in your house. But I got it. That was at the be- very beginning of spring training. It seems like forever ago. I know. Remember where we stayed together in the same house? Wasn't it magical? It was magical. And that it, bed sucked, dude. I know. I had to take the mattress off the pullout and just put it on the floor. Never talk crap about me on the radio again. But it was fine. <laughs> I had a good time. Um, good memories. So when we did that podcast, mm-hmm. a big part of it was you were heading into spring training. Mm-hmm. You were you're going into the belly of the beast. Uh, 
So first off, how did that go? Looking back, that was a long time ago, but you were there for what, a week? About a week, right? Yep, we're, one uh, week. Okay, how did it go? How was the interaction was with, with John much. Farrell, with the Red Sox people? Uh, everything was great. It was a little bit cold with John, which was expected. That's okay. It's all right. I was there. We, you know, we really didn't have our little one-on-one moments, mm. but uh, we had an interview on Comcast. It didn't go as smoothly as I would have liked. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, it was fine. I've never seen you so beautiful. upset. I, I'll stand by that right after that interview. No, I've fine. never seen you so upset that in my life um, because you did not get a chance to ask John Farrell the question. Well, I did, but it was like the third question because there was a question and a follow-up, and I thought I was going to ask the question. And I thought I was going to have to follow up. I should have been the one to address it. Okay. Well, you know, so I think that you you have told me that you are starting – Fresh with John Farrell for the entire year, right? Yes. Okay. Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe you have yes. been doing that? All right. Okay. Have I been doing that? Yes. No, I, have I, you, I still have fun with him, obviously. Yeah. Oh, no, yes. I, I heard you call him bipolar John the other day, which yeah. I chuckled. Well, what do you make of the whole Pomerantz thing? Uh, oh, the whole Pomerantz? The cre- he's, I mean, the Thornburg thing. He's the one that Oh no! This no. This isn't John. This isn't John. This isn't John. Shoulder program. Yeah. Well, what what he was doing and said it's ridiculous. Made blame it on the shoulder. I said it before. I said it before, and why I wrote it, which is he's right and he's wrong when he says it's not the shoulder program. I heard you say the exact same thing, which is it's not the shoulder program. The shoulder program, fine. Everyone swears by the shoulder program. It's the timing of it. It's the execution of it. It's the implementation of it. So when he gets it, lack of communication. When he gets up in front of the writers, John Farrell, that is and said it's not the shoulder program, lay off the shoulder program, and so defensive about the shoulder program. Number one, that's at the bidding, as, as Tomasi said, that's Sean Spicer. That's at the bidding of Dave Dombrowski. Mm-hmm. And number two, once again, he's half right. The issue with the Thornburg thing, clearly to me, and I laid out the timeline, it's just simple. December 6th, you're traded for. You go to the winter weekend at the end of January, and you're like, wait a second, this is what the shoulder program is all about? And then you don't even start doing it until spring training. So is that on John Farrell? I would think that would be on the medical staff of not going to the guy and saying, this is important, you have to start sure, doing this. Sure, the medical staff under the bus. But when you address the issue when it first happens, and talk about how a lot of guys have trouble adapting to the show right. program, and this is what's happening, and the volume picked up, and maybe there's a little fatigue because of that, and then turn around. Which and is say what, it's not which is what Thornburg said. No, well, once he's kind of joking. Once, once again, That's crazy. Work. Once again. What he's 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 half right and he's half wrong because when he says that, that's exactly what Thornburg said. Correct? That's yeah. exactly what Thornburg said. Which is, it have guys have a hard time ramping up with the shoulder program and pitching, and this is why this happened. And then when he says it's not the shoulder program, it's kind of like he wants to have it both ways. Sure. I get that, but he, in some sense, he can't have it both ways because he's right. He's half right. Because it's not the shoulder program; it's the implementation of the shoulder program. To say to say that to say that this is not this is not led to the the implementation and the execution of the shoulder program was not what was caused Tyler Thornburg to get to this point would be absolutely wrong. Right. Yeah. So anyway, especially after that's what he told us. <laughs> no, but, but, but like I said, like I said to you. Yeah, I mean, no, I I mean, get it. But you know, I mean, we're talking but in circles here. And then whole flight and ball, ball and flight. That's kind of joke. Ball and too. flight. What was David, that? David Price put the ball in flight. I don't know. It was, just, was, just tell me, play catch. The, just tell me. I, well, the, that's, the, the, the whole thing is baffling to me too. When you, like when you heard the Japanese da- interpreter, when you heard the David Price uh, seven to ten days, I mean, all I can think of was Eduardo Rodriguez three days. Right. Be ready for camp. Yeah. Be ready for opening day. And. And this is where I think they get in trouble, Lou. 
which is I think that they, they're not honest enough. And it has nothing to do with the HIPAA laws. It has nothing to do with that. I just feel like they're not upfront about it well, enough. Well, you communication. That's all. I mean, it's communication. That's well, all I, I think they're trying because to. Because even I, after I, a day, you get so defensive about it. The next about day. About the David Price the, stuff? No, the Thornburg thing. The next day, Thornburg came in and was just like, yeah, well, I think it's, yeah. Well, it's a combination right. of Well, it, yes. I, again, I think that when you're not used to being Sean Spicer, you yeah. don't execute being <laughs> Sean weird. Spicer very well. Um, but I, I think that they're getting themselves into the problems because they're so being so protective. And that's across the board. I, listen, the Ben Sherrington regime was looser than the Dave Dombrowski regime. We can, we can see that. Everyone can see that. Whether it's behind the scenes, whether it's in front of the scenes. And that is an adjustment, and I don't think it's an adjustment that a lot of take, people are taking well. Anyway, uh, so John Farrell, we get it. Yep. We'll, we'll disagree about a lot of things. So one of the things, one of the exercises I want to do as we head into the season is, okay, different situations with John Farrell might face mm-hmm. leading into the season and mm-hmm. what Lou Merloni would do. Because, uh, because I, we, listen, we go back to last year when you're railing about Brad Ziegler, and, and I'm saying, well, you can't just bring Brad Ziegler every situation. We disagree with that. We'll agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think it's like when you're running out Janichi Tozawa, it wasn't Janichi Tozawa. It was, well, it was not bringing Heath Hembry, not Brad Ziegler. Because Janichi Tozawa was an example of what you have to work with, which was crappiness. He was terrible. Yeah. So this is the problem. So, so what you have to work with with the Red Sox, different situations. I'm going to throw some at you, Lou. Right now? Yeah. All right. Because it's all on. I don't know if you know this, but it's almost opening day. Okay. And this is when you're going to. Are you, gonna, break it are down. you part of the first broadcast? I book? believe I am, yes. Ooh. I know. It's kind of big. It's opening day. It's Do you big. feel nervous? I'm excited. Do you yeah, feel? Because I've been working with those guys. I, I know. I've been listening I, to I, like every uh, game. Uh, uh, uh. I tell you what, it is. Ex- <laughs> you you do you've done a, you do two games in a row. You've been there. Seventh do, inning is riveting. Eighth inning is always seventh exciting. inning. Seventh, ninth seventh inning is fantastic. The seventh inning in a spring training game. Good. The seventh to ninth inning in a spring training game is the equivalent of three regular season games. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting, uh, and you're exhausted after doing two games. You have yeah. to be stretched out for this stuff. Yeah, I know. It's different. No, it's too boring. Um, spring training game. They're up by a run. Eighth inning. Yes. Coming into opening day, who are you bringing in? Joe Kelly. Okay. Joe Kelly, I think. Unless I need him in the seventh. Okay. Uh, what if what if there's a, a situation where you brought in Matt Barnes in the seventh, mm-hmm. first and second, uh, two outs, uh, maybe even one out. Okay. And there's not a lefty up. There's a righty up. What do you do? At the plate? Yeah. There's a righty up at the plate. Like you said, you said, unless I need him in the seventh, what do you do? First and second, you've already blown through Matt Barnes. He hasn't got the job done. First and second, righty up. Let's say one out. Okay. Okay, what do you do? Where are we in the order? Uh, middle of the order. Right up. Order. Robinson, uh, no, Robinson, no, isn't pinch, a good example. Pinch hitting Nelson situation? Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz up. Pinch hitting situation? Righty up. Righty is Righty up. is coming up. A, a, a uh, who is, who's. Well, p- opening pins- day, I'll tell you this much, yeah. okay? okay? Heath Embry I would use against some righties. Okay. In certain situations. But I would not use Heath Embry in the bottom third of the order because that's pinch hit opportunities. He can't get lefties out. Uh, if it's a top three, four, five hitter. I have to have confidence he can get righties out. He was nasty against righties. So as long as it's not a pinch hit opportunity, I'd probably go with Heath Hembry um, because if it's a bottom third of the order and I'm bringing him in the face of righty, I know that it's going to be a lefty coming in the face of a pinch hit, and I wouldn't want to do that to Hembry because you can't get lefties okay, out. Okay, so let's, let's play that out. You have a righty-lefty, which obviously a lot of teams, and I haven't looked enough at the Pirates lineup to say who that, other than Andrew McCutcheon, who would that, that might be. Right. Uh, you have righty-lefty. You bring in Hembry for the righty. Do you bring in Kelly for four outs? 
uh, in that situation? No, not an opening day. All right, so you leave Hembry in to face the lefty. No, bring in Robbie Ross. Okay. What if you've already used Robbie Ross? Uh, you bring in one of the other two lefties? Robbie Scott. Okay. So uh, you, you, unless I have confidence in a bat. So, when, so when do you I'm use, never going to let Hembry face the lefty. When do, you use, when do you use Joe Kelly in the, in the seventh inning? You said unless you need him in the seventh. It's kind of like what Thornburg expressed when he was used in Milwaukee. He's going to face 2-3-4, 3-4-5. And maybe that's the seventh. Maybe that's the eighth. I think it's important to know your roles in a bullpen. If you're the eighth inning, you're the eighth inning guy. But it's also important to know the situation because that situation could be the seventh. So if it's 2-3-4 in the order, I'm going to go with my eighth inning guy in the seventh. I'm not going to save my eighth inning guy to face a bottom third of the order when the game is on the line in the seventh and the meat of the order okay, is up. Fair. That frustrates me. Fair. Okay, so we have established that. You have the middle of the order up in the seventh inning. You're using your eighth inning guy. Yes. Okay. And then I'll use I'll get through the eighth inning, bottom third of the order with righty lefty matches. Righty lefty matches. If I have to. All right. If um, if Matt Barnes is not getting the job done, and we you have the three lefties, uh, do you just turn to Heath Embry? Do you turn to Heath Embry to face to face a lefty? Would you put Heath Embry up never against a lefty? Never. So you leave. So this is sort of I got to protect. And, him. and I can already tell you that this is where at some point in the first week. Uh, Farrell will be ripped because of the uses of bullpen, and this is the, one of the reasons why. Because the bullpen right now has a potential of not being very good. Sure. And when if you had Carson Smith, if you had Tyler Thornburg, it's a different situation. And I look at the bullpen, this bullpen, compared to the other division, bullpens in the division, other than Toronto, who I don't think is very good. Oh, my goodness. Not even the Yankees in Baltimore. Well, the bullpen right now is sketchy. There's no yeah. question. I mean, I, I, I would have more confidence in Ross. Like, if it was lefty, righty, lefty, I would leave Ross in to face that one righty middle guy. Okay. And if it's, if it's you know, if it's righty, lefty, righty, uh, if, if Embry can get the first guy out, and now we're talking about a two-run lead, I'm going to let him face a lefty because there's righty sitting behind him, then maybe I would do that. I think if it's a solo bomb or a double, I've got a couple righties, and that's where he's effective. So it's score of the game. It's what part of the order. Uh, pinch hit opportunities, who's on their bench. So I think all of that has to come into play, and he's going to have to maneuver that, especially early in the year, you know, without some of these arms. What order of lefties do you go? One, two, three. Robbie you... Ross is the guy I feel most confident with right now. Which who, he hasn't been throwing well. Right. And, I saw it first. And time. I don't think that doesn't matter to me. Again. Well, he but, should. He's throwing 90 miles an hour. Well, okay, well, velocity is definitely. I mean, for fight. him, when he was throwing really well, it was 95. Yep. So if he's so anyway, 90, Rob, then we got problems. Robbie Ross. But, okay. But Robbie Ross, number John one John Farrell, I've seen that for 40 days. So okay. I have a good idea going in. Uh, Robbie Scott is a guy that I liked last year. You like him better than Abad. You bring him in before Abad against the lefty. I saw from Abad. But, I mean, he, early on, early on, yeah, you're probably going to give the ball to Abad because you want to see if you can gain some confidence because there's more upside maybe with him. But Robbie Scott's arm angle, I mean, this is where it gets into more detail. I need to know who I'm facing, what kind of lefty. Is it a lefty that's got, that, that that's, can hit the fastball, um, that can hit 95, 96 from a bad, or am I facing a guy that maybe is susceptible to the slider? Uh, he doesn't have good numbers against lefties. If that's the case, I go with that three-quarter arm slider from Robbie Scott. So it's all about the matchup. So I face a left-handed hitter, but I want to know the strengths of that left-handed hitter. You know, is he because uh, there's some okay, lefties if, if, if that are exactly. Fa- if he's a lefty who hits fastballs well, you're gonna you're gonna bring in Scott. If he's a lefty that hits, uh, who is well, more of a breaking. That could play into it, but then it's also what I've seen from these guys in camp. Whether it's Scott, whether it's a bad. A bad wasn't there much, but he thrown the ball okay for them. If I can get a bad going, that's a guy that you I would, would say I he's would, your number two. I would I would like to get him going. You know what's sneaky about Abad that he actually was good against lefties after that. Remember the Robinson Cano hit, but it, he was bad against righties. I mean, he was terrible. 
But if you look up like his game log against lefties, he was really good for about four, whatever, how, how many you bats. Yeah, I think a lefty on lefty, I think a left-handed hitter um, is more uncomfortable with that, that slider guy, the guy with that good breaking ball, especially at three-quarter release point. Uh, lefties, you know, they, they worry about power because, because that makes them susceptible to breaking balls. So, I mean, if you come with a power lefty, as a right-handed hitter, I don't worry about power lefties. You know, that much because it's fastball. Okay, no big deal. Does he have a cutter, good changeup? That's more worried about righties. And with him, he's fastball pretty much curveball, right? See, this so is where I'm getting well at. This, I love this. So this is good. See, yep. we're explaining ourselves, right? It's good. This is good. So when he does exactly opposite and it works or it doesn't work, we have this. Do you agree that Heath Embry should never face a lefty? Uh, he was actually, if you go with the second, I agree that you should stay away from it. But w- I talk about deceiving, deception, in terms of the second half of the year, the last two months. He was better against this lefties. This is something where I believe in, okay, because I think that relievers, you want to identify the guys that can get out righties and lefties. That's yeah. the key. And know, it, those and, are the beauty and guys. And Hembree is the guy. And like, I'm, I'm just saying that they're thinking the same way you are. That's a beauty guy, right? A guy that I can use against both sides. Right. Uh, that guy I feel comfortable with the bottom third of the lineup, the back half of the lineup in the seventh inning. Sixth, eighth inning, whatever it is, pinch hit situations. The situational lefties, the situational righties, you know, you got to have confidence in them to face the top four or five hitters, top five guys that aren't going to be pinch hit for. If I bring in Hembry to face a righty, he's going to face a righty. Now, I don't bring him in to face the right-handed number eight hole hitter because here comes, you know, the left-handed bat off the bench. Mm-hmm. And now what have I done? I've created an awful situation. The problem is, so let me ask you this. So the problem is because they've thinned themselves out in terms of these guys who can are supposed to be pitching full innings. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the guy? You have Kelly, you have Barnes. Who is the next guy who would say, all right, that's the guy I feel confident in just going out and pitching an inning? Uh, nobody. Right. That's the problem, right? Sure. Right now, that's the Robbie problem. Robbie Ross. And yeah. as you said, his velocity's way, if his velocity's down five miles an hour, then we'll get a different game. Well, it wasn't, like, who knows? Then he should I mean, be But it wasn't spring training. All I know is that when Robbie Ross had all of a sudden become really, really good, you saw it, his velocity crept yeah. up to 94, 95. And that, I don't think that was a coincidence. Let me move on to the next one. Late in the game, you have, uh, you're down a run or you're tied. How did I do, by the way, in the first one? No, it's good. Okay. It's good. It's, it's Listen, ourselves. I mean, this is the same thing I have with managers, which is I can disagree, but just explain yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you could it could be the exactly opposite. But if you can have a good explanation, then cool. Great. Cool. All right, what's the next You situation? explain yourself. Like You're very excited. Um, down, like down a run or tied. Yes. Run, let's say runner on. Pablo Sandoval's a bat. Who's he hitting? Um... He's hitting probably lower. He's probably going to hit seventh, right? Lower. What? Bottom third of the order. Yeah, bottom yep. third of the order. Um, they're going to bring in a lefty. They bring in a lefty. Mm-hmm. Lefty specialist. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Lefty specialist. Let's say bottom seventh third, inning. Late in the game. Seventh, seventh inning. inning. Guys on? Yeah, one Tie guy game. One guy on. How many outs? Uh, doesn't matter. What, no. uh, zero outs. Not two outs. Zero or one. Who's hitting behind him? Well, you would think that Sandy Lowen's hitting behind him. They wouldn't probably put Jackie Bradley there because they would bring in. They don't. They want to break him up. Uh, well, they're going to have a problem anyway. So Sandy Leone is probably going to be hitting behind him or Christian Vasquez, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Well, he's uh, is Rutledge on a DL or no? Yeah, as we're, the team is currently constituted. Guys making nineteen million dollars. Yeah. Well, okay. Three for forty-three. Whatever. It's yeah. a new year. 
Right. That was two well, years I mean, ago. this is. I mean, listen. This is what he did in 2015. He's going to hit. He kept running him out for a month. Yeah, and it run was him just out there for a month and a half, right. two months. He's going to face it, every it, single it, lefty would, out but there. But would you? Would you? Until you I so you would. Have to make you said. You said how much? You referenced how much money he made. Would you, Lou Merloni, manager Lou? Yes. I like that manager. Yes, Lou. Yes, I like it. You would. Uh, you would. You do that? Would I'd you, absolutely let him hit. You I can't lose a player in April. I'm going to do pinch hitting for my starting third baseman in the month of April against a lefty and give no confidence whatsoever. How about the first time they face it? Lefty, he'd play. He'd play. He'd He's play at third play. base. He's even my third, if, everyday third baseman. Even if he gets off to a slow start, yeah. And a slow start is not one for six, two for ten. A slow start is obviously two for thirty. Okay. You know, I mean, he has got to. I'm going to give him every opportunity for how long? And how long does that, that go? Because the benefit outweighs it. It's if I can get him going, that is huge. Well, here's the difference. And, and let's be honest. I mean, I, and I don't disagree with you because here's here's the reality. There's no other options. Mm. I mean, even Josh Rutledge, you were kind of sort of force feeding that narrative that Josh Rutledge is going to be the competition. If, I, if, you, if you were to pinch hit Josh Rutledge for for Pablo Sandoval, how do you think that goes over for the kid, confidence wise? What you do to Pablo the Sandoval? Kid? Oh, pa- oh, you Pablo Sandoval? Because I'm very concerned about Josh Rutledge. I like his wife as a sideline. Yeah, I want him to hang my around. My goal is for him never to play. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, okay. That'd be my goal. Okay. If he, does, if he plays, that means someone's struggling. And you want Marco Hernandez there anyway? Yeah, I'd like to have him. So. There. Uh, you know, I, I listen. He hits. Yeah, I I would hit him Until early. I would hit him early, but I am still not convinced, Lou. I am still not convinced. He, sure. he, he hit a home run and everything else. To me, as the eagle-eyed talent evaluator that I am, the swing just looks totally different. The swing, look, it, it's and we've seen different swings with s- switch hitters. I get that. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who, when he did hit lefty on lefty, hit 280. See, I, there's a the thing. When it comes to pinch hitting for people, uh, that needs to be played out. That needs to be organic. That needs to happen first. I need to have reasons for it. I don't need to manufacture them. Okay, so I need Pablo Sandoval to prove to me he can't handle lefties. I need Mitch Moreland to prove to me he can't handle lefties. Same with Benintendi, same with Bradley. And when they start to prove to me that they can't handle lefties, then I'm forced to make a decision. That is it. And that goes with Chris Young as well. Chris Young can hit lefties. I like the player a lot. As much as I didn't like the way he used him early in the year – Chris Young, what he should be doing is getting starts because I don't think it's comfortable. You can ask Chris Young, how do you like it when the first 10, you know, 10 well, he only days started, of the I think, five times in April last year. Because it was all lefties. Right. But start him against a righty. It's just at late mm. in games, if you don't want him to, you know, face a tough righty, then pinch hit for him. I get that because you're going to play him against righties. But play him against a lefty. If you've got to play him against a righty because it goes 10 days, then so be it. Play the guy against a righty. Late in games, you can make a move. But don't force it. Start him, give him some at-bats, let him get comfortable into the season, and then he'll be more comfortable pinch hitting. But when your first six at-bats are pinch hits, that's a tough gig early on out of the gate. Don't force it. Let the players dictate when you're going to do it, and it will take a while before they start to prove to you they can't hit these lefties. What if Mitch Moreland starts off hot in the first week or so, right? Mm -hmm. And then you say, oh, Hanley's throwing the ball. He can play first. This is our plan to have Hanley play. This is their master plan. They've said it over and over and over again. But why is it their master plan? Because they're getting Chris Young at bats. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, but it does seem, if Chris Young wasn't sitting there, and I, we talk about running a guy out and seeing what he can do. I mean, Mitch right. Moreland's the perfect example of that. Number one, his, he had reverse split. He, he had better numbers against lefties last year anyway, and you're hitting him against righties. Sure. So, but because of Chris Young, you're saying he's going to play first against right-handers, and Hanley will play first against left-handers, even though, if once again, if Chris Young's not there, 
don't take Hanley off the bench. I mean, this is a guy, his shoulders are messed up, Lou. Messed up. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and how... You know, he's going to go out and play first base. The only reason why I like Hanley at first once in a while is because I want to keep him engaged. You know, I, 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 and this is only because we, we don't know it's him as a DH for 162 games. You know, like, is Here's it, the thing. Here, does real, he, does he, do you sort of lose the guy? I, re, well, I, li- real, I liked him at first. Real quick, Chris Young, so this, while, this, is the one, nice. this is the one part where we aren't taking into account. I don't know if it means anything, but Chris Young has barely DH'd in his entire career, and when he has DH'd, he's been sucky. Yeah. So that's another thing we don't know. I mean, he tears up lefty pitching, but we don't know that. To see, again, Moreland, if, if Hanley wants to be the DH, you play Moreland against lefties. And, and, you know, I don't think it is Chris Young plays for Benintendi, Chris Young plays for Bradley. Give those guys the random day off early in the year. You know, they play four, five, six games in a row. Chris Young gets a start and left. Chris Young gets a start and left. Benintendi moves to center. Bradley gets a day off. And just sort of get these guys in games. Just I don't like forcing it. They'll, they'll, the players will dictate it. Okay. Uh, this, this, we'll call this the last one because we can loop back. Mm-hmm. And I know you got to go. I appreciate mm-hmm. you sticking around after your award-winning hey, no show. Um, the not last one is Pomerantz goes out, pitches Monday in Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's against minor leaguers. He's okay. He's okay. Do you start him on Sunday? Well, if he gets to how many pitches? You know, he's got to get to 80. If he so gets he gets to, to well, 80, I mean, their thing, their 85. first, they said early on, they were targeting that first start for like an 85 pitch count anyway. Mm-hmm. So let's say he gets to 80, 85. Do you, do you run him out there? Here's the thing, because you, yeah, the options are. Can I option Kyle Kendrick down? Because here's the thing. I mean, if, if you want to take a slow, Drew Pomeranz hasn't thrown much in camp. You want to throw him on Monday. You, you like what you see, but deep down you feel like he could use another start mm-hmm. or two. I have no problem at all rolling out Kyle Kendrick, even if he gets his tits lit in the first couple of games, so be mm-hmm. it. But getting Pomeranz right is most important. You don't rush the guy back just to get him back for opening day. I think opening day is overrated as far as the roster goes. I don't care about opening day. I Cesar care about Crespo May. made opening day. Yeah, roster. I don't. I care about end of April, May, June, whatever. Moving on. So if you need to give Pomeranz a couple more starts, then you start Kyle Kendrick. Kendrick in All right. The big so uh, the other the option problem is, yeah. is that once Kendrick is in the big leagues, because he is a veteran. Sure. I'm not so sure you can option the logical. Like you said, the logical maneuver if they do not want. Pomeranz is Kyle Kendrick. A dependable guy. He's going to pitch the contact and, and ideally put the ball on the ground. But you're right. The, the, then you run in potentially with some If Ross you can problem. option him down, perfect. If you can't, well, I don't want to lose Kendrick. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't try to think Pomeranz of, ain't ready, then I'll call somebody else Henry to ask up for a one. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. Brian Johnson for one start, and mm-hmm. I'll give Pomeranz another you week. You ever eat a tropical ready. smoothie cafe down there? No. Oh, well, he, Brian Johnson wants to buy one, purchase one. Well, He's looking for an investor. I but I would might. find every opportunity. I, I wouldn't rush. Because really, what does that make any sense, right? You look at it, and Drew Pomeranz throws. He gets to 65-70, and you say, ah, I don't think he's ready. So what are you going to do? Are you going to roll him out there anyways when you don't think he's ready? I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing with Pomeranz, four innings, the whole thing with Pomeranz to me seems rushed. Well, the if whole it's rushed, thing. then don't do it. No, then I mean, the, the, the problem was is that when the last time, it wasn't very good. He only went four innings. Right. Um, and and he also, I just feel like he might get there, but he's just not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so any other any other thing that you want to you rant against? Uh, oh, I think we're good. Now we just let it play out. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> like we, we, we can re- <laughs> that's a good thing. Is that Monday will suck. You guys are doing the show. You're having Dabrowski on, yep. and but we've talked about this stuff over and over and over, and a lot of it will be forced because we have to talk about an opening day. Tuesday is going to be the day. 
Because Tuesday, the day after opening day is great because there's no game mm-hmm. and you can and you can micromanage that game like it's the Super Bowl. Like it's game seven. Right. And that's what's great about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do a podcast down at uh Tilted Kill. You should. You, Wanna, should you can come on down. Yeah, maybe we will. We can do this more often. I like this. All right, good. Q&A's. All right, Luke, thank you. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Welcome to History Is Us. I'm Dr. Eddie S. Glaude, Jr. Join me as we journey through history to face the ugly truths at the heart of the American story. Throughout this series, we explore who we are as a nation. Listen to History Is Us, a creation and presentation of Shining City Audio, a C-13 Originals, and John Meachin Studio. Available now on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to your podcasts.